You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. This morning I want to share a word, a message. I want to minister the word to you from Psalm 119. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm 119. And for those that just surrendered their lives to Christ, who really met the Lord even during worship, This message is for you. I mean, this message is, is really for you because this is what will aid your walk with Christ in the decades to come. It's what you just experienced. You saw Jesus, and now we're gonna talk about this morning, the revelation of Jesus through scripture. Uh, that's what's gonna aid your walk with him over the, the decades ahead, your life ahead. I want to point you though first to 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. We're going to get to Psalm 119. Um, the second Peter, Peter's second letter, he says this, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So God has not left us ill-equipped. He's not left us to flounder or just to figure it out, figure our way through this life. Now, he's given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. But where does that come from? It says, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So it comes through this personal knowledge of him. That's what leads us into this life of fullness, what Jesus called this abundant life. It comes through a personal revelation of him. Him being revealed to your heart and you being transformed then into his likeness. You, beginning, you, you becoming uh, trans, or conformed into his likeness. So that's the pathway to the, the blessed life, the life of fullness that Jesus came to purchase for us on the cross that he, that he leads us through, through, the, through his resurrection. And that comes through primarily through scripture, this revelation of God to man. And so over the next several weeks, I feel led to, to point us to the excellence of God revealed to us through scripture, like the sufficiency of God revealed to us through scripture. The Lord is enough. And in fact, the Lord is the answer for your restless soul. And God is so good, he's so merciful, he's so kind that he would give us this perfect revelation of himself found from Genesis to Revelation that points to the person of Jesus, the Son of God that had bridged the gap between the divinity and humanity. It's Jesus. We see it from the, the heel crushing the serpent's head in Genesis chapter three, verse 16. And we see it in Revelation with Jesus in his, his white robe riding his white horse, the victorious king. From Genesis to Revelation, we see this Revealing of Jesus to human hearts. So what, what other, what other, whatever else you've thought of in regards to the Bible, in regards to scripture, is insufficient. In its simplicity, it's the re revealing of God to human hearts. It's the revealing of Jesus to us. It's not just a historical document, although it is. It's not just a religious document. It's the revealing of God to man. 
So there is a, a generation who have been told that they can attend a church service or, or claim Christ as their savior by putting their name on a card or they can claim affiliation with a religion, but they've never been told how to daily look at Jesus through scripture. How daily to allow the revealing of Jesus to conform them into the likeness of him. So this is a big deal. God has given us everything that we need through the spirit of God making scripture come alive to our hearts in the context of community. And in that we're built up into the fullness of Christ. So too often, people don't eat the food that God has provided for them. They haven't learned to eat the word like it's actual, actually the source for their life, like it's the sustenance for their life. And that's what I feel led to point us to uh, in the weeks to come. And I feel like even being earlier on in a year, uh, it's good to point us towards what it is that, f- that we feed on, what it is that is our source as a church family, as followers of Jesus. So let's look at Psalm 119. We're gonna read all 176 verses this morning. No, I'm just kidding. 70, yeah, 176 verses. We're not. We're gonna get as far as we can get this morning and then we'll continue on in the weeks to come. But um, verse one, it says, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. That is the blessed life, the, the abundant life that Christ himself walked in, personified, embodied, and pointed us towards. It's this life of actually being blameless before the Lord. So even prophetically, Psalm 119 verses one through three, is, it's pointing us to Jesus as one who lived the life, who is the archetype of humanity. He set the bar of the blessed life as one who literally walked before the Father blameless. And how did he do that? He lived fully submitted to the law of the Lord, seeking the Father and the Father's agenda only, always having his ear attuned to the testimony of the Father. That was the secret sauce of King Jesus, this blessed life. So it seems very similar, these verses seem very similar to Psalm chapter one, the very first Psalm where the psalmist describes this blessed life, this one who lives submitted to the law of the Lord or the testimonies of God. He describes them like a tree planted by streams of water. In Psalm 1 verse three, it says, that tree yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. So again, this one whose source is the word of God, is scripture, the living, breathing word of God. That is their source. They live a blessed life. They bear fruit. I'm not talking about material blessings. I'm talking about an abundant life of, of, of their soul being at rest in God. Not being frantic and anxious and, and worried all the time because their, their soul is at rest in God. That is the blessed life and they bear fruit. So the psalmist in Psalm 1 describes it like a tree who's strategically planted by these streams of living water. The ever-flowing, 
life-giving streams of God, which is scripture. So it begs the question, what are we feeding on? Where are we planted? Where have we planted ourselves? I wanna push us this year ahead in 2022 for it to be a year where we consume, consume scripture like it's food for our soul. Not, not merely historical record, although I believe it is, but instead actually being sustenance for our lives that allow us to see Jesus every single day. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I find that I'm very forgetful. I have a moment like this morning or, or some moments in worship with God where I really encounter him. And then I'm sitting at a traffic light or in the, in the heat of the moment with my kids and it feels like I've forgotten what Jesus looks like. That's what it feels like. We are created to delight in God. We are, we are created for him to be our source, all human thriving. This blessed life comes out of a relationship where you look at him and you see him as beautiful and he becomes everything. Augustine once said that the, the knowledge of scripture challenges us to realize that our loves have not been well-ordered. So daily, continually, as, this, as we plant ourselves next to the streams of water, we allow our loves to come into alignment with what we were created for, to love him with all of our soul, with our, all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So verse four, it says, you've commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. So he uses all these different words to describe scripture, like the inspired revelation of God to man. He says precepts, statutes, testimonies, the law, his loving commandments. He says the word of God. Those are all ways of describing scripture. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all of your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. He, he like goes in, in between or in and out of like simply extolling what scripture is like to all, then also praying a prayer. Oh Lord, I, I want my ways to be steadfast. I want my eyes to be fixed on you. And so there is an invitation for us here, available, for us to fix our eyes on Jesus through scripture every single day. And all scripture does point to Jesus. I'm not saying that's, that's the way the original authors knew it would or intended it to, but the way the Lord has now weaved together the fullness of scripture, the 66 books that we now have, it all points to Jesus. Jesus becomes the cent central point, the focal point. Either it's pointing to our longing and our needing for a savior, or it's prophetically speaking of his coming, or it actually talks about his, his, his having been revealed or going to be, the fact that he's going to be revealed. And so that's my desire for each of us, that day to day we would open up scripture and we'd fix our eyes on him. We'd see Jesus there and it would slowly mold our hearts into his likeness. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus. I remember I had a friend once who notoriously, people began to get nervous driving with him because notoriously when we'd ride with him, he, would, he was so social, so high energy that he'd be looking backwards the whole time while he's driving. 
mean, he's just, he was pumped to be with people. He's just excited to be in the car with you. So you felt honored. You didn't want to call him out because he's excited to be with you. But you, you know, the, what's important in that moment is like your life. And you're just like, just look, look at the road. Just, just keep your eyes on the, let's have a conversation. We don't need to have eye contact, but... But so often we do the same thing in our walk with Jesus. We're looking at all these other things. Like we're just trying to make, we don't know why things are not working out well for us. Like our life would not be categorized as blessed. What would it look like if we began to just fix our eyes on Jesus? Like he just became the focal point of, of our Monday through Sunday, not just Sundays. Then Sundays don't become the only calibration point in our lives, but daily we're feeding on him. Daily we're looking at him and looking into his eyes until our hearts truly burn with love. And slowly over time, we see our, our likeness actually becoming, uh, looking like him. That's why I really encourage people to not so much focus on the quantity of scripture, although quantity, to go through scripture in, in one year is great, to get a, a quick overview of the entire redemptive story, but, but really the key is quality, not quantity. It truly is. I would much rather somebody read six verses and they come out of their, their, their secret place with the Lord with their hearts burning than for someone to read six chapters and they're bored to death, bored to tears, honestly. I'd rather you, you read just one or two verses and sit with it for 30 minutes chewing on it until it actually becomes sustenance for your soul than be a slave to the, checking off, checking off the, the reading list. Sincerely, that is my heart that we'd fix our eyes on Jesus through scripture. Look at him, that he become the source of your life. Jonathan Edwards said that the word of God, which is given for our instruction in divinity, contains enough in it to employ us to the end of our lives. This is Jonathan Edwards, the, the president of Princeton. I mean, a brilliant mind, a leader of the, of the first great awa- second great awakening. But um, that's what he said. It would employ him for his entire life looking, peering into the revealing of Jesus to his heart. So sometimes, especially people younger in their faith, they, they get into this, this grind that they have to somehow master scripture right out of the gate. And so they, they, they try to bite off huge reading plans. Instead, make the goal that this be your food, that this be your, the source for your life. And allow, allow yourself to enter into a journey of, over a lifetime of feeding on scripture. Verse nine, it says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I'm gonna ask Scott to come forward and just play on the keys. But there was so much in those, those eight verses. But I, I believe this is key to the victorious Christian life that I believe we all long for from the moment you say yes to Jesus. You're saying yes to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and he's promised you a better way of life. But oftentimes we begin to follow Jesus and we get beat up by the world and beat up by our old way of life that comes back to haunt us. And we, and we say, what's it worth? What's the, what's, why should I even be following Jesus? Because my life is no better off. 
But really, the problem is within us, not within the king that we're following. We've taken our eyes off of him. His word has not become the the source and the sustenance for our life. So this is a major part of us growing in maturity and moving beyond the roller coaster of emotionalism and lack of follow through that we've all experienced. We've made at moments commitments to the Lord and pledges to God to do things and to live in a certain way. And when the, the emotional energy runs out, we go right back to our old way of life. But when we eat on the word of God daily as our diet, it becomes our source of energy, our source of life. We look at Jesus and truly then we can stay pure as the psalmist said here. How do we stay pure? By living according to the word of God. It becomes now the paradigm, the grid by which we see our life and the world around us. We've stored up the word in our heart. Day by day, we're storing it, we're packing it in there. We're coming hungry every day, it's like we're ravaged. Like, oh, I'm so hungry. I'm hungry for the word. I'm hungry to be renewed today, Lord. And we look at him in scripture and just like kids, we're amazed at him. We let that childlike part of us come alive once again and we worship him through scripture. What happens over a lifetime is there's this inward transformation which results in an outward transformation. So truly we begin to live in accordance with his word. We begin to not wander from his commandments as the psalmist said, but it's from the inside out because now our love is coming into alignment with what we were created for. We're delighting in him over anything else. We're meditating on him and we begin to live differently. I've, I've heard it said that in a given year, you can look back over the last year and you are the sum of the people that you've hung out with and the books that you've read. I've read that in like leadership books and stuff over the years. Well, I would propose to you today that you will be in this year ahead the sum of the, the, the amount of scripture that you, you digest and that you eat on. If you'll allow it to be the source of your life, you will, you will see, you'll look back over the following year and you'll see a marked transformation in your life from the inside out. There will be this love for God like you never knew. Jonathan Edwards again said later, he said, true change doesn't happen by beating off those old affections for the world. It comes by being drawn off by the sight of something better. And so, so often we put our energy and our, our emotional energy and our mental energy in just trying to not do bad things anymore. And there's at times where you just do have to, you just have to pluck out the eye or cut off the hand. But I would propose to you, like the true path of maturity in likeness comes by allowing your heart to be set on the highest love on King Jesus himself drawing your sight to him onto better things. How does the young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your words, setting your gaze on Jesus, looking at him in scripture. Just, just go to Hebrews 1 or Philippians 2 and just look at Jesus. Just go to Isaiah 53 and peer into the eyes of the crucified Christ 
and your heart will come alive, will begin to burn. Verse 17, it says this, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. This is a great prayer to, uh, great verse to pray. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. I'm a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all time. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. These eight verses are, are all a prayer. And I would encourage even this week to take verses 17 through 24 and, and make them your prayer this week as you dive into scripture. Before you, before you read other parts, just read this. Lord, that you'd open my eyes. Lord, I am, I'm on a journey. I'm, I'm a sojourner on this earth. I need your word to be the source of my life. In the following weeks, because later in Psalm 119, he expounds more on the, the living word of God. That we don't read this book like any other book on your bookshelf. Instead, it's the, the marriage of the, the spirit of God with the word of God that makes this, this book stand apart and apply, applied then to our, our lives. That's what pierces into our heart. But verse 17 become, verse 17 and verse 18, they become this prayer for grace to live out the word, that our eyes would be open to behold the wondrous things in the law of God. And so oftentimes I would say, and I've been in this place where we, we, we don't read scripture rightly in the sense that we, we think God is, is really confusing. And there's things that we, we stumble over in scripture and they make us scratch our head. And so we begin to make these accusations at God that he's, he's made it really difficult for us. But I would propose to you that the problem is not on our end. I mean, it's not, it's not on God's end. The problem is on our end. We have spiritual blinders over our eyes. Ephesians chapter one, Paul prays that prayer of the church in Ephesus, that we may have a spirit of wisdom and revelation so we may grow in the knowledge of God. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened to know the hope that is in Christ Jesus. So the problem is on our end. The Lord needs to humble our hearts. We need to allow our own hearts to be tenderized and softened. And all of a sudden you'll begin to see things differently. Things will be jumping off the page into your heart. You'll begin to see Jesus in scripture. We come to him as a student sitting at the feet of Jesus. The root of, of our issue so often in scripture is our own spiritual pride. It's a blindness not brought on by God, but it's born deep in our hearts. Let's point you to just one passage to make my point that the issue is not on God's end, it's on our end. Jesus makes it very clear in Mark chapter four, verses 21 through 25, as he's talking about the role of parables and like why he talked about the kingdom of God the way he talked about it. He said, he said to them, after he just shared some parables, he said, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? 
For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. So the Lord is the light of the world. He's not the secret of the world. So he has come into this world to be on a, on a lampstand, not hidden under a basket. He's not playing hard to get. He's not trying to, to be all secretive. He says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. So his heart is to pour out even more understanding. His, he has a heart of, of generosity that we would understand. For the one to whom has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So when you think of even the context of parables, the beauty of the parables was that even a child could understand it. The unlearned, the uneducated, the peasants in a community, they could understand it. And in fact, it spoke their hard language. But the prideful, the scholars, the, the religious elite, it just hit the hardness of the others, their stony hearts and bounced off. They could not grasp it, the depths of the kingdom. So this is the wisdom and the beauty of the cross. And so I would encourage you to pray scripture, interact with it differently than other texts, interact with it differently than other books, begin to pray it. Say, deal bountifully with your servant, Lord, that I may live and I may keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things right here in your word. Pray that prayer and see what happens. In fact, I just wanna pray that over our church family right now. You just receive this prayer. Lord, I pray that the eyes of our heart would be opened, would be enlightened to our hope found in Jesus, revealed to us through scripture. Where does faith come, come from? It comes from hearing the word and the word reveals Jesus. So Lord, I pray that you'd give us a spirit of, of wisdom and revelation so that we may grow in the knowledge of God. I pray over any individual here this morning that's been overwhelmed, confused, confounded by scripture, not knowing where to start, feeling intimidated, feeling like they compare themselves to others and they, they just know they don't know the Bible. And so then it feels like such a, a weighty task to begin to, to dip their toe into. Lord, I pray like a child, a hungry child sitting at the table, that even this week that they would come with a humble heart ready to receive and Lord, give us spiritual eyes to see you revealed to our hearts. And I pray that your word would be like a sword that pierces into our hearts and conforms us and transforms us into your likeness. In your precious name, King Jesus, amen. Verse 25 says this, my soul clings to the dust, giving me life according to your word, or give me life according to your word. I mean, the psalmist is raw, he's honest. He feels desperate, he feels like he's at the end. When I told him my ways, you answered me, teach me your statutes, make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. So again, just because we're promised a blessed life doesn't mean it's a, it's a pain-free life. It's a, it's a life free of any sort of the, the tensions that we read about here. His soul is melting away with a weighty sense of sorrow. 
He says, put false ways far from me. Like reorder my life and graciously teach me your law. I've chosen the way of faithfulness. I, I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. What dependence the psalmist prays with. I'm gonna run, Lord, but I, I need you to enlarge my heart. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it all I have, but Lord, I know you need, I, need, I need to meet you in that running. The psalmist in these verses speaks so much to the, the strengthening power of the word. The word is meant to be like the energizing, life-giving, strength-giving source for our life. The way Jesus said it is he said, I have food that you know not of. You know, his disciples asked him about his hunger pangs. And aren't you hungry? He's like, I have food you don't even know about. Because he was so submitted to the agenda of the Father. We have the agenda of the Father right here in Scripture. He had this perfect relationship with the Father. So when we come into alignment with the will of God, we're filled with strength. That's why in his desperation here, the psalmist can, in confidence, say that it's the word that's gonna give him life. He's honest. Lord, I'm sorrowful. Like I'm clinging to the dust right now. I'm just, I feel like I'm desperate, but I know it's your word that's gonna give me life. Your word is going to be the source right now. It's gonna be the fuel for my, my desperate soul. And I believe this is the difference between, especially in this, this information age, the difference between knowing the right answer and living it out. And I believe we, we do have kind of a trap in our generation, a deception of sorts, where we're saturated with information and it, it kind of uh, dupes us into assuming then we know what's right. But the only way to really know if we, we know what's right is in the fruit of our day-to-day -day life. Like are our hearts truly submitted to that right answer? Is the purity and the simplicity of that truth truly now able to be fleshed out in our lives? And that is the difference. Especially as I've seen in my own life, I'm, I'm looking for a different answer than the answer I read here in scripture oftentimes. And I, I bounce around looking for some counselor, some mentor to reaffirm what I want rather than just su submitting my heart to the revelation that God has clearly brought into my life. So there, there's a rawness here, but it's challenging for me to then submit my life to this path, to the abundant life, that he would be the source of everything. One more section here, verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. This is what you are created for, to delight in Jesus. 
that he would be the thing your heart longs for and is fulfilled in and satisfied in, to delight in Jesus. C.S. Lewis wrote, will it make any difference whether it was women or patriotism, cocaine or art, whiskey or a seat in the cabinet, money or science? Well, surely no difference that matters. We shall, we shall have missed the end for which we were formed and rejected the only thing that satisfies. Like pick your vice, pick your, your other love. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter because we've rejected the, the ultimate thing that satisfies, the one who satisfies. The one who has won our hearts and our, our hearts truly come alive in his presence. Deep down, I know, and when I lay my head on my pillow at night, I know that is true. The, the challenge is real when we live our lives Monday through Sunday. All these shiny things vying for our attention. But when it's just us and God and we stand before him in his revelation, our hearts do begin to burn with what we were created for. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. And that faith in Christ is only made manifest through scripture, the Holy Spirit making scripture come alive. And Jesus is real to us, all for the glory of God. If you'd all stand to your feet, I just wanna pray over us in closing. That the Lord would light a fire in this house in love for him, that's been my main heart is that we would all burn in love in, in a greater degree for Jesus. Oh Lord, forgive us for filling our hearts with all sorts of other things. Forgive us for deceiving ourselves with this oversaturation and in information, which really just scratches the surface and never gets to the heart. But I pray you do something different in this church community, do something different in this radical house of Jesus lovers. I pray that we would be a people who eat true food whose souls come alive in your presence because the revelation of Jesus made afresh every single day. Oh Lord, root out of us any obligatory religious spirit that's trying to check a box and just go through the motions. Oh Lord, may we find ourselves on our knees with scripture open wide and our hearts open even wider saying, Lord, we want to see you. And Lord, may it spark in us a level of worship we never knew possible. Just amazement and, and wonder, the beauty of our King every single, every single day. Lord, usher us into a season of childlikeness with fresh eyes to see you. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.